Welcome to the perfume room. For my scent of the day today, I'm going to tell you what I wore yesterday because yesterday was my boyfriend's birthday. And to celebrate, I got tickets for us and some friends to go to the Mets game. Obviously, the fragrances that we wore were the most important part, which on a side note, if you ever see pictures of me on Instagram rooting for the Mets and you're like, oh, okay, she's a baseball girly. I didn't realize I'm a love sports so much. Let me just set the record straight right here. I like baseball. I'm a Mets fan the same way that I eat turkey on Thanksgiving, right? Like, is this really meaningful for me? Do I actually even like it? Not particularly. However, if you tell me something is tradition, signed, sealed, delivered, I am yours. I come from a long line of Jewish New Yorkers. We just, we root for the Mets in perpetuity. I don't make the rules. And also, okay, one more thing while we're on the, while we're on the subject, apparently the Mets, <laughs> you guys are like, why are you talking about this? Apparently the Mets are having a great season this year. And it just gets me so choked up. Yesterday, there was a good play that happened. I think it was like two outs at once. The crowd went wild. Everyone was cheering. Okay. And I, I started crying and Felipe was like, what? What is wrong with you? Why are you crying right now? And I, I just said, wow, how beautiful for these fans. Their unwavering, relentless loyalty is being rewarded. And here we are witnessing it in real time. So yeah, a few people have suggested I get my estrogen levels checked. You really cannot take me anywhere. Every single thing makes me cry. If you want to see me like audibly sob, take me to a play. Curtain call, I'm done. I'm done. Anyway, this is neither a sports nor health podcast. So let's get back to the reason you are all here. Perfume. What did we wear, you ask? Okay, so Felipe wore Molecule 01, which was actually generously gifted to me from Eccentric Molecules. But of course, he has since acquired it. This is how these things work. But of course, it smells much better on him than it does on me. So I was happy to give it to him. He layered that with Blue de Chanel. And I asked him, the birthday boy, what he wanted me to wear. He said, go with something bright and light. So naturally, I chose Citrus Grandis from Chris Collins, which I think I talked about in both last week's episode and the one before. But it is such a beautiful pomelo musky citrus, perfect for a breezy daytime baseball game. And even better, because that is actually who our guest is today. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with Chris Collins, international male model, and of course, founder of the incredible niche luxury black-owned brand, Chris Collins. You know what, guys? I am just going to say this, okay? Especially if you live in the New York area, the air is getting noticeably crisper. I love summer as much as the rest of you, but if you, like me, find yourself just having even the slightest sliver of excitement for autumn, this episode is for you because it is the unofficial trailer for Scorpio season. That is right. Chris, Wyatt, and myself, we are all Scorpios, three Scorpios in one room. I mean, huge energy, just wow, right? So I will just say, if Scorpio discourse is your bread and butter, bone appetit, you know we talk about it on this episode. We also discuss his fragrances, what they smell like, the inspiration behind them, how his public persona differs from his private one, his plans for his New York City-based appointment-only multi-level experiential boutique, how Chris came to be discovered as a male model, what he wore in high school, 
And just wait for it because there is a game of What's That Smell Today that will leave you blushing. Here is Chris Collins. Hi, Emma. Welcome to the perfume room. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's a little hot, but, um, you know, it is what it is. It's New York City summer. It's New York City summer. We're both in long sleeves and intentionally so. Both in black and long sleeves because we don't care. No, that's the New York City uniform. It does not matter. Rain or shine. Before we start, and I have to say I did notice, what are you currently wearing? Well, I'm always kind of working on what's next. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm like already working on like two or three fragrances down the line already. Mm -hmm. So it isn't one of my current ones, but um, I just met a new perfumer at uh, Furminish Mm -hmm. and uh, he's incredible. Uh, and um, can we name names or is it confidential? Soon, not yet. Okay. But he okay. Uh, he he just won a fragrance foundation award for one of uh, his fragrances. He's in uh, Dubai, so he makes some really like intense, powerful okay. fragrances. So I'm looking forward to it. Do you like it? What do you think? I think it smells amazing. Yeah, you okay. smell. It's like it's got like this like it's woody, it's deep, it's sultry, but it's sweet. Yes, and um, it's very seductive. Yeah. Oh. In a very platonic way. In a very platonic way. way. Well, I think you, so it's funny because uh, when I first launched uh, my business about four or five, four years ago, um, I used to wear my fragrances out, Mm -hmm. like hoping that, you know, people would respond to it, whether good or bad, just kind of have a response to it. It's the best marketing. And then I realized not a whole lot of people will comment. Especially if they don't know you. Mm-hmm. I mean, they may notice that you smell good, but they may not say anything. Right. And it drove me nuts. I'm like, why didn't anybody say anything? Is, mm-hmm. is it not good? Yeah. Like, am I, should I launch this? Right. And then I just realized, you know, maybe people, they they recognize it, but they just feel uncomfortable coming up to a stranger saying, oh, you smell good. So thank you for your response on the fragrance because that gives me feedback on whether or not it's good to other people. I mean, it's always good to me, but it's, the response from other people is always important. Uh, You know what? I have to say, since I have gotten into this world of fragrance, I get less compliments. The the better perfumes I get, the more intense they are, the more I think about them, the more calculated they are, the less compliments I get. Yeah. When I was just like walking around wearing like a little white musk oil, I would get stopped everywhere I go. And now I'm wearing these like amazing perfumes and nothing. And I'm like, it could be because the fragrance is so good that it intimidates people. I think that's that's got to be it. It's like, oh, wow. What is, you know, I that person must be, you know, so. like It's like, how could we so. ask this man what he's possibly wearing? Like, we know it's just like, it's right. too good. Right, like intimidated to say so. But, you know, and then I think about how much I actually do it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I'll smell someone and or I smell something and I'm looking for the person yeah. who smells good. Because now I actively do it. But before, I don't know how much I did it as well. So I can't blame people, but it's mm-hmm. always good to get a little bit of acknowledgement about what you're wearing. I, we need that validation. Yes. What's your What's your sign, by the way? Scorpio. Are you a Scorpio? You know it. Oh. What, October, November. Scorpio too? Scorpio. Yeah. This is a Scorpio room. Why it's a Scorpio as well? I'm 11, 11. There's a lot of energy in here right now. I feel it. When is your birthday? 11, 11. Oh, 11, 11. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Yes. That is powerful. And by the way, at some point, I'm going to make something just for us. Okay. And it has to be, well, you tell me how it should smell. It should smell, it should almost like, I don't know. You tell me. And then I'll tell you what I think. Okay. Okay. My, this is not a hot take, but I guess you could say 
I think that Scorpios are misrepresented a lot. I think a lot. Yeah. Do more I more than a lot? Yeah. A lot. I think we're a great sign. People think we're like toxic, manipulative. We don't show all our cards in the beginning. Oh, yeah, exactly. Anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, we can be a little intense. Yeah. A little possessive. But I think those are not bad things. I think yeah. those are like, you know, I think that intensity and that possessiveness and all those characteristics that we have as Scorpios, when we when we channel those things into creativity. Mm-hmm. And like things that we're really into, I think that that's what kind of brings out like all those important qualities of, you know, things that you want to do. You have to have a like very passionate in something. I always put very in front of everything Mm -hmm. that I do. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very happy or very mad or very passionate. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what I was going to say about Scorpio Suns is that, yes, do I occasionally want something dark and sultry and tobacco and all those things? Yes. But I think that for me, when I think of a Scorpio scent, I think of something a little enigmatic that you can't quite put your finger on. It doesn't have to be the strongest fragrance in the room, but it has to be the most, um, I guess, magnetic or alluring or the thing that you're just like, what What am I smelling? Like you might even question what you're perceiving and, yeah. and it's a little transformative. Which is characteristics of how we are, <laughs> right? So that scent is like, you can't put your finger on it, mm-hmm. but it's alluring mm-hmm. and I can't step away from it. Right. I keep something yeah. is drawing me to it. So I agree. It doesn't have to be like, you know, super intense or super mm-hmm. woody, but it just has to have like that thing that, you know, is magnetic. OK. So like mental on, note. on liquor websites, there'll be like an age gate like you can't get in unless you're 21. If people right. try and purchase your Scorpio fragrance. They'll like have to enter their birthday. I love that. I mean, people could, you know, if you're hearing this, don't manipulate the system. Don't manipulate. It's not for you. Somebody might steal this idea. Someone might steal the idea. They're not going to do it like I do. Okay. So would you say you have a signature scent? Mm, No. I mean, I just, so at the moment I have 12 fragrances and, um, you know, people always ask me like, you know, what's your favorite? And I always say, you know, my favorite scent is like the next one that I'm working on because mm-hmm. they're all very close to me. Mm-hmm. And by the time it gets to the consumer, I've already been working with it, modifying it, wearing it for mm-hmm. about a year already. So, you know, I'm and like I said, I'm working on fragrances already for like 2023, 2024. OK. Um, so I don't have a signature scent. I think I have a signature style, you know, like um if you're looking for like super fresh, uh, super floral scents, um, then you probably won't find it in my collections. But if mm-hmm. you're looking for like um, notes that are nostalgic, uh, notes that, you know, when put together kind of will be kind of like abnormal in a mm-hmm. sense. Like I love booze, like when you brought up the, alcohol, the liquor mm-hmm. uh, uh, site, I love using... Uh, alcoholic or liquor notes i love rums yeah i love cognacs Mm -hmm. um i love those kind of notes i love ambery woody um but you know everyone has tried that done that so you know you still have to kind of be unique in your in your process so it smells like something no one else smells that's for a brand owner or for a uh, fragrance designer that's the that's the worst thing you want to hear is oh this reminds me of that Right. Even though it's really difficult because there's like, you know, it's flooded with so many fragrances, but you try as best you can to right. do something very unique. 
I also wonder if that happens too. Like if you're working with the same oil house as another company and the one of the prominent notes in your fragrance happens to be a prominent note in another right. and it's the same, <clears throat> you know, plum molecule. Right. There could just inevitably be a similarity because, hey, you use the same molecule because this is what the supplier had, but the fragrances are different. But people are like, I recognize that right. plum note. And that I do I you know, that's something I think I'm guilty of because I think my my followers want me to describe scents in context of things they already know. So mm. I will sometimes describe scents of like, if you like this, try this, or it reminds me of this. But it's not me saying like, oh, this was plagiarized. Oh, this was copied. It's more of like a reference point. Like, I know you like, you know, angel share. So you're probably going to like this because this has the same cognac note, you know, or something like that. That's interesting because... I think people just kind of want to know, like, what's familiar to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's a little nerve wracking to some people to do something that is completely outside of what they know. Mm -hmm. And that's just us being fixed. Like, you know, we're fixed people. Scorpios are fixed. Mm -hmm. But I think whenever someone asks me, well, um, does it smell like this or does it smell like that? My, my initial reaction is just put it on your skin. And see what happens, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's a very polite way of answering that question. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you never know. It's yeah. like I, I have people who say, "Well, I don't like floral scents," mm -hmm. and I have a fragrance named Tokyo Blue, and it's a it's a violet. It's a masculine violet, but it's a floral scent. Yeah, and I don't tell them it's a floral scent, but I let them wear it, and then they try it. And it's like, "Oh, I love that," and I'm like, "Well, you're wearing a floral." So, surprise. Surprise. <laughs> so sometimes you think you know what you want. Right. But my job is to introduce you to what you don't know and then right. say, you know, whether you love it or you don't love mm -hmm. it, that's, they may have, they may not have anything to do with the fragrance itself. Mm -hmm. It may be something in the fragrance that you don't want to, you know, I mean, fragrance is very emotional, very psych, you know, psychological. So you may smell something that may remind you of your childhood that you don't want to go. You don't want to go yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. And then, you know, you may be drawn to something because it reminds you of something familiar of, you know, something in your life, you mm -hmm. know, a relationship, mm -hmm. a time when you were a child. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how the kind of whole olfactive synesthesia works in fragrance. Like, in a second, it transports you to a place. Mm -hmm. And if that's a good place, then you're like, I like that. Right. Without you even consciously knowing it. Right. If it transports you to a bad place, we're like, I don't like that. And I never get offended when people say, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. Because it's not my fragrance or the fragrance itself that I'm that needs to take offense. It's just something in it that just doesn't sit well with you. Right. And if you smell that same note in 10 other fragrances on the table, it's probably going to have the same response. Right. So for you... What fragrance, I mean, I'm sure all of your fragrances are steeped in nostalgia or something personal to you. What was the first fragrance that you worked on that you were like, this is taking me to a place I know? So when people say, what's my favorite? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really have a favorite because I, you know, I love all of them equally. Mm -hmm. But my most important was the first one, which was Harlem Nights. Mm -hmm. So Harlem Nights, you know, the idea to launch a fragrance for me came you know, I'm still in Harlem, but it came while while I was there. So I think I thought it was important. I think every fragrance brand needs to have a home. Mm -hmm. And my home is in New York City. The backdrop is in Harlem. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to launch something that, you know, the Renaissance collection that was like my ode to the Harlem Renaissance. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
I felt like I owed it to the Harlem Renaissance to like launch, you know, a collection that spoke, you know, about, you know, the the Renaissance of the 1920s and the Renaissances that are currently happening, like these revivals that are currently happening. So Harlem Nights, the way it came to me was, uh, you know, I said, what, what would a 1920s speakeasy smell like? You know, at least my interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would smell boozy, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I had the rum accord. I have the sandalwood. I wanted it to smell like woody. Yeah, you know, I thought about like the bar and like the, you know walls. And then there's the like the orris and the patchouli. So I wanted to give it something like the patchouli. It's not a dirty patchouli, but it's like the, the orris and the patchouli work great together. The florals. Can I say something? Sure. Patchouli is to fragrance notes as Scorpios are to the horoscope. We always are justifying, right? But patchouli does wonderful things. Can I write that down? <laughs> That's pretty good. So patchouli is the fragrance of the Scorpios is to the... Bad area. rep, but we're loving... And everyone's like, I hate patchouli. I hate and patchouli. Then show me your favorite fragrances. There's a patchouli, There's patchouli. note. There's a patchouli. It's patchouli in like 80% of the fragrances yep. yes. that, are, that are created. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's okay. That was good, though. I just felt like I had to. That was good. So I think um, that fragrance had to... Because the 1920 speakeasy during a prohibition, it was a very important time like, mm-hmm. you know, in Harlem. And my love for like boozy notes and like these nostalgic fragrances. And I think we captured it in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's only my interpretation, but you know, it was one of my most, it was my most important because that was the first. And then that led to the other two in that collection, mm-hmm. which theoretically led to the other ones. That's, that's amazing. So when you started your, when you started your fragrance line, was um, a collection to the Renaissance, to the Harlem Renaissance always in your head or were you like, I want to do fragrance. Where should I start? Like, well, so I had a, you know, I had a, a lot of incredible mentors, and um, you know, one of my mentors said to me, you know, every great brand has to have a home. You know, where was where was where is your fragrance born? Like, where where does it speak? Mm-hmm. You know, and I could have very easily, you know, just talked about New York City, but I think Harlem had so many kind of aspects that I wanted to like, you know, speak on, especially like in in the Harlem Renaissance when mm-hmm. fashion flourished and like poetry and like um, you know, it's just, just everything was just kind of like a time where, you know, black people in America like really flourished. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to capture that. So that Renaissance collection was important. Um Dan Savage can we talk about the Renaissance collection? Yeah, let's talk. I also, I love Dan Sauvage. Thank you. So Dan Sauvage, if, if a lot of people don't know it, is um, the kind of the performance that Josephine Baker did when she was in Paris. Mm-hmm. When she left Harlem for Paris in the 1920s, I want to say it was 1926, but I just, let's say 1920s because every book is different um, when they speak about it. But when she went there, so we weren't fully accepted, you know, black culture, in the, in, the, in the U.S. at that time, you know, there was a lot going on as far as, you know, like racism and so forth and so on. So a lot of the artists left Harlem for Paris. The Duke Ellingtons, uh, the Langston Hughes, uh, the uh, Josephine Bakers. So when Josephine Baker went to Paris and she started performing, you know, the French, the, the Parisians, um, didn't really know how to categorize or place her performance because it was wild and sexy and dangerous mm-hmm. and crazy. And they called it the Dan Sauvage, the Savage Dance. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I got to capture that in a bottle. 
So I wanted to make it wild and sexy. And, you know, I used a cognac accord and super woody. The cedar wood is like really strong in it. Um, and uh, it was, it, and I think, yeah, there's a plum actually that we mm-hmm. talked about, the plum accord. Mm-hmm. So I think we captured that. And Harlem Nights, I described already, you know, being the, the um, you know, inspired by the speakeasy. And then Renaissance was the revival. Like I wanted it to be nostalgic. I wanted it to be sexy, but I also wanted it to be fresh in mm-hmm. a sense. Mm-hmm. So we opened it with the Marina Chord. I know a lot of people are um, a little averse to Marina Chords, but I think it all depends on what follows it because the Marina mm-hmm. Chord is usually in the top note. Mm-hmm. And we put honey and ginger um, and uh, and sandalwood. I mean, I think it came out phenomenal the way we mm-hmm. uh, the way it was created. So those three in a sense, made the Renaissance collection, Harlem Nights, Renaissance, and Dan Sauvage. Yeah, I first smelled um, that collection. I think I, when I met you briefly, I told you, but I was in I was in South Street Seaport for like a doctor's appointment, and I wandered into, it's either called Project Gaia. Yeah, Project Gaia, Gaia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, I just was sniffing around. They had so many great niche fragrances, mm-hmm. and of everything in the store, Dan Sauvage just like, I was yeah. like, whoa. It's, it could oh, be, wow. it's like when you smell it, you can get drunk off it. Like, yeah. you know, and then it settles and then it becomes, you know, well-rounded. But I think it captured kind of like the savage, the savage dance from Josephine Baker pretty well. Very cool. Thank you. Do you have any controversial fragrance opinions or hot takes that mm-hmm. you think people will be like, mm, I don't agree with you there? Uh, I don't think so. You mean with my brand or with like others? Anything at all related to scent? No, I don't think so. I think it's all, you know, I mean, people will have their opinions. And in the beginning when I was, you know, creating, um, I really wanted people, you know, to be drawn to the brand, to like Mm -hmm. the fragrances. Mm -hmm. So I would give Emma three fragrances. Mm -hmm. She would like one, two, and one and three and hate number two. Mm -hmm. Right. So then I'd give it to Wyatt. Wyatt would love number two, but hate one and three. So then I would change each of the fragrances so both of you would like it and then what happened was you ended up not liking the one that i changed and then like the ones that i didn't change mm-hmm. so i realized very quickly that i cannot make fragrance for other people because mm-hmm. i cannot make everyone happy that's just not only in fragrance but in life that's right. just the way it is so i had to make fragrances that spoke to the story that i was telling mm-hmm. and that literally captured my attention and I knew that it was something special with the hopes that other people would then follow along with the story and the fragrance because it got to a point where in the beginning I was a little less confident in my final product. So I would keep changing and keep lowering this level of sandalwood and mm-hmm. up in this level of patchouli until uh, the fragrance house said, Chris, at a certain point, the fragrance has to end. And that was with the first three, the, mm-hmm. the Renaissance collection. Since then, I'm very much more confident in my. I'll know right away. Usually, if the fragrance is ready on my first sniff, mm-hmm. then we're ready. Because sometimes you go through so many modifications, you don't know where you started. Right. So, I, you know, I'm only maybe, I launched four years ago, uh, but it, about six, seven years that I've been like kind of developing. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, my developing uh, techniques are completely different. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I'm more confident now that my choices, uh, hopefully people would kind of be drawn to and love. 
Mm-hmm. You you trust your, yes. your initial opinions more. But in the beginning, I was a little, you know, just like anything, it's you scary. start listening. Yeah. It's like, is everyone going to like this? Yeah. Or, you know. And the fragrance community yeah. is, can be very quick to be critical. And so it's just hard Absolutely. to, how has that been? I mean, you know, even just in prepping for this interview and I was doing some recon on you, yeah. but there's plenty of YouTube reviews. Most, I mean, all of the ones I saw were very positive, but yeah. how has it been just being received and like letting go of it and just seeing what happens? Well, so, so the, the scary part is like jumping off the cliff, right? Yeah. And then as you fall in, you start to realize, oh, I'm okay, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to land in the water. You know, everything is fine, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, when that's the biggest, to me, that's the most gratifying part. Like, you know, one customer at a time, you know, not kind of worrying about like making one of the best fragrances in the world. That'll happen in time. Mm-hmm. I have no control of that. Right. But, you know, the response from people who, I mean, people say some really incredible things. Like your fragrance, you know, made me really happy in a time where I was really down. And like during the pandemic, I got a lot of messages like that. Like mm-hmm. your fragrance, you know, I was alone and upset and scared. And when I wore your fragrances, I fell back in love with myself. That is what keeps me going. Yeah. Making fragrance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when like a lot of the YouTubers and influencers, response has been very, very positive. But there are some, you know, nasty, you know, people out there who just want to just, you know, Tear it down, you know. Do they not know your birthday is November 11th? Yeah, but I have to, ooh, I got to pull that Scorpio <laughs> back. And I just got to be like, you know what? Probably what you're feeling about the fragrances probably has nothing to do with the fragrance. Yeah. Probably has everything to do with either me or, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm doing and why, who do you think you are? Kind of kind of that. Because mm-hmm. there, there's been some seriously, you know, some serious uh, reviews that have been nasty. But what do you do when you see that? was like, what, what's the process? Well, we're Scorpios. So yeah. in the beginning, it bothered the hell out of me. Yeah. Until I realized that I have to take that just the way I take people's responses to the fragrances. Right. I don't, it, either you love it or you don't like it. I don't like mm-hmm. the word hate. Either you love it or it's not for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want you to have a, a response. Mm-hmm. Either it's, like a really good response or like a, mm, I, I don't want you to say it's okay. Right. I want you to have one of those responses. Even if it's negative, that's okay. But at least I conjured up something emotionally inside of you. So now You're you got to think a about it. <laughs> the at least I got a rise out of at you. At least I got something out of you. <laughs> something like that makes you think about why you don't like it or something that kind of like, you know, your, your, your heart rate goes up or something and mm-hmm. that's fine. That's okay. So then I had to kind of reassess the way I had to handle. And 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 trust me, you know, thank goodness there's way more positive responses to it than negative. Mm-hmm. But for those who have any negative responses, you know, it doesn't, at this point, it doesn't bother me. In, in the beginning, it did because, mm-hmm. again, remember, I'm trying to make everybody happy and then I realized that I can't. So it still takes work to mm-hmm. do that. I hope you guys are loving this episode. I am just here to quickly remind you of August Smell Club because this weekend I actually secretly opened up a few more spots for this month's session and I just went and checked the Eventbrite and there are two spots left. 
Registration closes this Saturday, August 20th. If you are listening to this episode on the day it came out, you have four days left to register. There are two tickets left. More information about the event is in the Eventbrite link. And if you're wondering where you find that, it is in the link in my Instagram bio. My Instagram handle is Perfume Room Pod, which if you don't follow the Instagram account for this podcast, why not? Go follow it. Click the first two links. The first one signs you up for the event, and the second one is where you purchase your sample pack. This will sell out. There are two spots left, and if you are listening to this and feeling like maybe you should sign up, I hope they go to you. It's so fun. I hope to see you there, and you know what? Let's get back to the episode. So what is your uh, creative process, and what goes into the briefs that you uh, send out to perfumers? So most of the time it starts from either a name or a story or a fantasy mm-hmm. that I have, like a dark twisted fantasy that I have or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my, so, so most brands, like if you if you go to like a briefing with like the bigger houses, like uh, the Dior's and, you know, Givenchy, oh, like all those, you know, whatever, bigger brands, Louis Vuitton's, I'm sure the brief is like something that's like elaborate and they've already done research on like what's the trending notes and I mean they have it all down mm-hmm. and I think what the difference between niche and that mm-hmm. kind of process right. is I go I worked with a perfumer his name was Jerome Epinet you know who he is Jerome? Do, yeah. yes a couple of his fragrances will smell later but I'm very excited for that we uh, and I was so excited to meet him and you know we sat at a table um and at the table were like the evaluator, sales, like, you know, that you know, the, the people who normally sit at the table, which I love, by the way, all of them at the, the team at Robotay. I love all of them. Mm-hmm. But at one point during the meeting, I look at Jerome and I said, Jerome, do you mind if you and I go and just talk? You know, and he's, you know, he's like, okay, <laughs> sure. So we go in his office and we start talking and we, and I tell him, you know, we start asking sort of questions and then we get into the fragrance and then we start talking about notes and directions and emotion and feelings. And he looks at me during the conversation. And he says, you're you're kind of shy, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I am. And a lot of people don't get to see that part of me. Mm-hmm. But that's why I wanted to talk to you, because I wanted to when I when I talked about what I wanted the fragrance to feel like and the direction and the story and how it touched me. He could see that. And he was able to create the fragrance based on that mm-hmm. instead of like this idea of what he thought I was. Like through all the images that I've shot over the years. And like you would think that I was like this really tough and intense, which there is that part of me that is. But there's also the part of me who's very shy mm-hmm. and like very kind of like down to earth. Mm-hmm. So you need to know that part before you can create any fragrance for me. You mm-hmm. need to know all sides of, of that. So my brief is just sitting with the perfumer, just talking. Wow. Like this could be a brief. This could be a brief. Okay. And it might be. You guys don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I don't like have, you know, storyboards and all that stuff. Maybe I should. I don't know. But, you know, maybe what I'm doing is working just, mm-hmm. just like the way it is because I don't feel like we need that. Mm-hmm. I just think it needs to be um, there's like a dance between me and the perfumer. Mm-hmm. Right. And see that we're going to step on each other's toes or we're going to waltz and it's going to be fantastic. And 
you know. And then some perfumers, they've tried, you know, we tried to get it and we couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time, first wow. first modification, first, uh, you know, first time I smell the fragrance is probably done if if I'm going to use it. Wow. If I'm going to use it. But I've yeah. smelled thousands. Yeah. You know, and I only have 12. So. Right. Hundreds. I wouldn't say thousands. Hundreds. Yeah. yeah. So these are the 12 best out of the, out of the thousands of mods you've tried. Or that told the story best. That told the story. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure if I go back mm-hmm. and I re-smell all those fragrances, there'd probably be one that will say, wow, how did I let this one go? Yeah. Because I do that sometimes. But. Maybe you'll find a story for it later. You can like put it in the back pocket. Exactly. And like, you know exactly. what? That reminds me of. And then when I finally open up the experience of the boutique, they can be like, you know, boutique exclusives that... They weren't intentionally to do well at all my retailers. They were just supposed to be right here because these are like rare and you know mm-hmm. maybe limited edition or something like that. So I want to talk about that boutique because I've heard um, that that you're working on something that's going to be very experiential and very much for the consumer to see sort of like the behind the scenes. Yes. What what can you share about that? So like I said, I still live in Harlem and I have I live in a brownstone where the Brownstones is basically the headquarters. You know, all the operations happen from there. And I was like, what better way than to kind of, actually I got the idea when I was in Paris, I went to uh, Tom Ford's store, which is like literally around the corner from the Killian shop in Paris. Mm-hmm. And his entire store was vertical in a townhouse. And I was like, man, this is fantastic. I said, like, wait a minute, I have a townhouse. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? like. Instead of doing a traditional storefront boutique, why not make it like, you know, an experience where you come to Harlem and you could smell, want to build a tasting room. Um, maybe the different rooms are kind of have a different collection I'm or something. Very for you this. know, because yeah. um, I think the more people can experience it like that. I mean, it won't be open. You got to make an appointment, but, you know, I think it'll be kind of cool, like, to have appointments and then you have your special time to, like, mm-hmm. you know, experience everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's been an idea of mine for so long, and I think I'm finally getting around to kind of putting it together. So hopefully it'll be done by this fall. But um, but we'll see. And then I can control, like, at my most of my retailers, it's difficult to control the storytelling. Mm-hmm. But in my own space, then I can capture it and do it exactly the way I want to. So mm-hmm. that's very exciting. Wow. So hopefully this fall, we'll see. If not, you know. You were talking about, um, you know, people might not know that you're shy and it's not necessarily what you project to the world publicly. Mm. You do project to the world publicly because you are an international male model. Uh, no. Not every day that I have one of those on the podcast. No, I was. was I mean, yeah. Yeah, why? yeah. I was when I, when I was like young and handsome. That's when I was doing Yeah, I was like. So are you still modeling? No. No? I don't have time. No, no, no. It's no. all perfume. But <laughs> that was some of the, that was some of them. One of the best times of my life. I you know, would imagine. Right out of college. Were you scouted? Like, how did, what's the story? What's the origin story of your the whole career? The whole mall, walking in the mall thing and being discovered by an agent. That was kind of my situation. Oh my God. Yeah. In the flesh. That happened. That happened. Wow. Yeah. Were you like, were you like, is this real? Like, how did it go? I know. So... I was, uh, when I was in college, in the summer, you know, I would get, like, summer jobs. I got a job at um, at Foot Locker mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in one of the, in the mall where I grew up. And where where did you grow up? In New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. So um, this agent walked in, and 
he was just like, you know, kind of felt a little weird. He wasn't really trying to buy any sneakers, but he was just like kind of like roaming around me or whatever. And then he came up to me and asked me, he said, man, did you ever, um, you ever think about modeling? I was like, no, not really. Because at the time I was in college, what a lot of people don't know is that I was actually, I was pre-med, I was, I was studying pre-med and psychology. So I had double majors. Mm-hmm. I was like super into my books. Mm-hmm. And I was an athlete, so I played sports. So I was really into kind of like, you know, everything else was just like, you know, noise. And then he said, why don't you just come by this, you know, the agency in New York and just, you know, whatever. So it was a really small agency. So I asked one of my boys to come with me and then nothing happened then. So I went back to school, finished up my senior year. And then it just seemed like the agents just kept finding me somewhere. And More agents were scouting? Yeah. Was it all on Foot Locker? No, no, no. <laughs> this was like now. It's just, just random. Like, just like, you know. Uh, I guess that my look was in at the time, you know. At the time, I was like, you know, no, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. And then I said, all right, fuck it. I'm going to try it. We'll see. Let's just see. I'll just do it for a year or two. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see yeah. how it go. Um, and then I ended up meeting Ralph Lauren in like year one. As as most, you know, <laughs> the, the typical trajectory. And then I met Ralph. And oh, we're on a first name basis. Okay. Yeah, I met Ralph. Matt Ralph. Yeah. Okay. I know all the. I know the whole family. <laughs> Dylan, Ralph. I know all of them. Um, and, you know, I said, how many times are you going to be able in your life to take a chance to do something like this? Mm-hmm. At the same time, we're working with one of the most prestigious brands in the world. Um, I said, medical school can wait. And, and I said, you know, just try it for a couple of years and. Because, you know, it's like I was a smart kid. I was I didn't I had to study really hard to be smart. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had discipline to, to, to do that. So I was I was always a smart kid. And then, you know, and when you're smart, you always thought you should be either be a doctor or a lawyer, which mm-hmm. is brainwashed that, you know, I had. Mm-hmm. And then I realized there's so many other things that you could do, so many creative things you could do. And it just took me time to kind of figure that out. Mm-hmm. And then working with Ralph kind of gave me like this education about luxury, mm-hmm. marketing, experience. Because I was in all the ads, all the, um, you know, the photo shoots with the setups and like the whole kind of like space being like done to with Ralph. And Ralph was a genius in a sense where he never sold you clothes. He sold you an experience, a feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when you wore the clothes, you felt like you were part of that. Mm-hmm. That to me is genius. So I used so the twenty plus years that I was with Ralph taught me so much about exactly what I'm doing now. Right to build the world building and the experience that you get from it, not just like this is the product. No, not right. just okay. It's this. Right. Because I always say, you know, I don't sell perfume. I sell romance. I sell uh, nostalgia, emotion, like mm-hmm. all those things, like. The fragrance itself, it's fine, mm-hmm. but it's what you feel, at how you feel holding the bottle, how you feel with the experience, with the bag, with the customer service, with the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I want when someone asks you, what are you wearing, that the name be cool as hell yeah. and the story be even cooler right. with a great fragrance. Right. 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 So like that whole thing kind of has to come together mm-hmm. because... I guarantee you that there are some really, really, really incredible fragrances that no one has ever smelled because they weren't marketed properly. Yeah. And then there are some fragrances that are not that good, but they're marketed incredible. 
Name names. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? Like the marketing and the storytelling, right. if it works, it could push a product that isn't really super great. Right. Um, but I, I guarantee you there's like this, there's so many fragrances that no one's ever smelled that will probably blow the socks off of anything mm-hmm. that's on the market. But no one told the story properly and it probably just went away. Yeah. R.I.P. to those fragrances. R.I.P. to those fragrances. Wow. Yeah. Well, I I do want to talk about, you know, you're talking about the experience in the world building, and you have such an impressive list of stockists. And I know you recently um, now are in Sephora. Yes. That's massive. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I'm curious, like, you know, I know prior to Sephora, you were in, like, Bergdorf's and Neiman and Nordstrom Mm. and all these retailers that are, like, the ultimate, like, luxury, experiential type department stores. Mm. Has... Your fragrance, have you noticed any difference in how it's been received in Sephora versus something like Bergdorf's? Or how has that experience been for you? Yeah, I mean, I think each place has a different customer. Mm-hmm. Um, we most recently launched in Saks mm-hmm. like a month ago. I forgot one. I'm sorry. No, so I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to kind of, because Saks' customer, you would think is the same as Nordstrom and mm-hmm. the same as Sephora and the same as Bergdorf, but I think. Each place offers a different experience mm. and the customer has a different idea or mentality when they go into the in, into the shop. So Even if it may be the same person. Yeah. You may go and you'll go into Bergdorf thinking something completely different than you would if you went into Sephora, mm. right? Yeah. Um, so I think each retailer does a good job of creating the atmosphere for the brands. And compared to the brands that are in there, you know, mine is one of the younger ones, mm-hmm. you know. You know, I'm on the shelf next to Francis Kipchan, next to Tom Ford, next to Killian. Right where you should be. Right where I should be. Uh, But those fragrances have been around for a lot longer. So um, my salesperson may need to kind of say, hey, you want to come smell something new? And then once I get you in and I introduce you to the fragrances, then, you know, I think that you're going to love them. But the fragrances that have been around for a while, like a Tom Ford fragrance sells itself. Mm -hmm. No, right. you know, not to say anything that, you know, not that not that the salespersons aren't working really hard, but, you know, like Creed, like at Bergdorf Goodman, uh, the setup before, because they just moved to fragrance area, you know, I was right in my section, was right next to Creed. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed that people would just beeline right to Creed. Right. Because they knew it. It's familiar. Right. You know, and it just takes time for like newer brands. Right. But we, we hold our own in every single retailer, mm-hmm. um, you know. The retail business is a lot different than online business for, you know, like my website mm-hmm. and for like your boutique. There's a lot of, you know, business kind of, you know, if you're not ready for it, it could really be a lot. Mm-hmm. It could be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what a lot of people don't know. It's like, oh, you're here, you're here, you're here. You made it. Like, you know, no, once you get there, you still got to maintain the business. Right. There's a lot of like, you know, dealings that you have to do with retailers. You know, they want a lot from the brand. You have to push uh, push for support. I mean, it's like, you know, it's it's business. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being with the retailers and having the platform, you know, is incredible because now I can reach more people. Right. Um, so, you know, my experience. And it associates you, too, with the creeds and the Francis Creed exactly. and says, like, yeah, this is that. Exactly. So, you know, I've learned so much from, like, working with. So all my retailers are important. Mm-hmm. Even the smaller boutiques, all the way to the biggest retailers, yeah, are all important. I pay equal attention to all of them. Mm-hmm. 
But I do have a special place in my heart for Bergdorf because they were the first one to give me a chance. Was there, was there a story there? Yes, there was a story. Please share. Okay. So let's rewind back to 2018. So back in 2016, one of my mentors is Killian. I don't know if you know that, but Killian was like one of my... He, I read that. He was so important. I was going to get there because I was just like, what? Yeah, so integral in, in like me. Killian as in by Killian. By Killian, Killian. Hennessy for everybody yes. listening. Yes. So we had a meeting and well, we just, you know, I was in Paris. I said, Killian, this is me for lunch. So we met for lunch. And this is when he told me that he was, uh, you know, he was doing a deal with, you know, Estee Lauder or whatever. So, you know, we were going to work on a project together, but we couldn't, you know, follow through with that because, you know, he, he had, I mean... Congratulations to him. But then I asked him for his blessing for me to launch my own brand. He warned me how tough it was going to be, how hard it was going to be. And he gave me his blessing. And then from there on, you know, I kind of went all out and just, you know, put it together. So, you know, it took years to develop, you know, the packaging and, you know, logos and, you know, the whole thing. So when I was ready to launch, I reached out to him and I said, because I walked in the bird of government myself and I walked up to all the salespeople and I said, I'm launching the brand. You know, do you know who the buyer is? And they said, well, we can't give you the buyer's information, but, you know, we'll mention to him that you came in. So I, I gave him a card. Um, and one young lady that worked at Killian actually said something to him because you never know. People would just take the card and just throw it out mm-hmm. and said, you know, this guy came in today and I think you should, you know, t- you know, we smelled some of his fragrances. You maybe should take a look at, you know, at him. And. Killian was, he made the call to the buyer, to the DMM, the one who handles like fragrance and beauty and all that stuff. And he was the one who made the call and says, I think you really need to try this stuff. And his co-sign on it, it was huge. Right. I mean, he was Killian. I mean, his fragrances are like incredible and all over the world. So he was very, very integral in helping me get into the business with some legitimacy mm-hmm. um, because, you know, he didn't have to, but he did. And I will forever be appreciative to him. And um, I went in with, to the meeting at Bergdorf and they liked it. I mean, you know, they was like, you know, let's give it a go. Mm-hmm. And in March of next year will be my five year anniversary there, which is, inc- which is crazy. Wow. It's just crazy. I can't believe five years goes that fast, but yeah. So do you think it's advantageous or do you think it's hard to be next to such a legacy brand like something like you were mentioning, like Creed? Well, I mean, I think, you know, we we all develop kind of our own DNA, right? Mm-hmm. So my fragrances don't smell anything like Creed's. Creed's have mastered their, you know, their corner. They know what their customer wants. Price point, fragrances, they got it. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I think, you know, Killian has his and Tom Ford has his and Chris Collins has his. And I think we all, Roja has his. We all have our different kind of spaces, you know. And I think a lot has to do with like the founders and the fragrances and price points. And so I don't feel intimidated next to Creed because my customer may be the same or different, Mm -hmm. you know. I have a lot of women that love my fragrances. I'm not saying that women don't love Creed, but it's not. They've cornered the men's fragrance market, you know, with Aventus mm-hmm. and all those other ones. And they've made a very distinct de- like delineation of like the women's creed fragrances and the men's creed fragrances. Right, right. So, you know, I never really kind of say this is for him or her. Right. I've, you know, I've gotten advice from so many people. It's probably better if you did, probably better if you don't. 
it was never my, you know, one of the, you know, fragrances that I used to buy for my mom uh, when I was younger was uh, Angel. And, you know, it was a woman's angel. And I used to wear it. And I used to steal it. I mean, I, I'm like, you know what? This doesn't matter. You just wear what you want to wear. You know, it's like, you know, it could be a little bit more sweeter, or more floral. But it's yeah. like, you know, just, you know, wear what you want. So I make uh, my motto is everyone is everyone. It's like wear what you love. Yeah. You know, my fragrances do lean more masculine, but that doesn't mean it's for men. Right. Women, there's a lot of women that love masculine scents. Yes. And what do we mean by masculine? You know, the, the true definition in the fragrance world between masculine and feminine is floral. So if it's floral, it's usually feminine, quote unquote. Right, right. I don't believe so. I, I, think, I don't you know, either. You can make a, a woody floral or you could make a powdery floral, uh, sweet or gourmand floral. You know, it's like so many different directions. Mm -hmm. So I just make fragrances for everyone. And violet, like you said, Tokyo yes, Blue. Tokyo Blue is violet. So when I was a kid, my dad used to wear a fragrance that had violet in it. Mm. But I didn't know that until later on. I just thought it just smelled good. You know, mm -hmm. I was a kid. What was um, the fragrance? Uh, gray flannel. Oh. Um, in the 70s when I was a kid. right? So, and my dad used to smell so good. He used to rock all the like uh, English leathers and the Stetsons. He used to rock the old school fragrances. And I just remember, like, when I was told, when I was tall enough to kind of get up to the counter, just like grabbing them and smelling them. So yeah. that's when I first fell in love with fragrance. Wow! I just didn't realize it until later on. Um, but gray flannel was that fragrance that grabbed me because I knew he was home when he came home because I smelled him, mm. and he was just all. We didn't grow up with a lot of money. We didn't have a whole lot, but he always was together. Yeah. And always smelled good, and that. That experience of me smelling that violet is what inspired me to launch Tokyo Blue. Because wow. Tokyo Blue was a song. It was a jazz song that my dad used to love. So, you know, that whole kind of experience with violet was like, I, and again, I don't make too many floral scents. I mean, there's, there's a floral note in most fragrances, but like a true floral note is like designated to be a floral. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, Tokyo Blue is a floral scent. And, you know, it's a masculine scent, but, you know, a lot of women love it. A lot of men love it. So. So going back to your childhood, you're wearing an angel. Love that for you. Yeah. I, I wore angel for men, too. Angel for men, too. Oh, yeah. Angel for men, angel for women. The first ever gourmand. Yeah. Was angel. So what else were you wearing as a, what was teenage Chris Collins Whoa. like? And uh, what did he smell like? Take us back. So that just reminds me of, like, being in, like, high school and, what were you like in high school? I was you were cool popular. Kid. I, was like, I knew it. I, I was like it. captain of the basketball team. Yeah. President of the National Honor Society. I was I actually. I hope someone nerd. from your high school class is listening. I was that. a nerd. I'm telling you, I was like really into my, you know. But I always, like, again, we didn't grow up with a whole lot of money. So I didn't have a lot of money for clothes and stuff. But I, like, that's why to me, fragrance is always that, like, entry into yeah. luxury, right? Yeah. You know, they could be slightly expensive for really good ones, but. It's like your entry into the world of these different brands, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was like wearing baggy clothes back then. And I was like, man, my, the first one I ever bought was Obsession for Men. First one. Great one. First fragrance I ever bought. And then I kind of dove into this whole world of like Calvin Klein, like everything. Escape, Eternity. I was like going all in with the Calvin Klein. Mm -hmm. CK1, CKB. 
And then I started to go like with the, you know, the Tommy's, mm-hmm. uh, which I, to this day, I always thought that was a really good fragrance. Tommy was good. It is. Polo Sport. Yeah. I was rocking it like crazy. And like the Jean-Paul Gaultier's. Mm-hmm. I like that. I was, I was always a guy to smell good. Mm-hmm. Always. Even when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess that never stopped. Yeah. So, because to this day, it doesn't, my style is pretty simple, but mm-hmm. I always want to smell good. Because you're gonna, you're never gonna remember what I wore, but you're always gonna remember how I smell. Always, you're gonna yeah. be like, that man smelled good. Yeah. What did he look like? What did he wear? I don't, I don't know. think people are gonna forget what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, what did he wear? I don't know what he wore, but I knew when he walked past me, I smelled him, and he smelled really good. So, so yeah, like those are like my teenage fragrances. And wait, the Fahrenheit's, the Cool Waters, all of it. You're all taking us stuff. back. Wow. Were you a fraghead before you developed your line? Did you have like niche stuff in your collection? So um, I, I guess whatever was considered a fraghead back then, I may have like you know, eight or nine, but mm-hmm. now the fragheads have like hundreds, which is like Which also impressive. has to do with gifting and content creation too. Right, yeah. right exactly. Yeah. Um, I will tell you this though. The first niche fragrance that I ever fell in love with was... Frederick Malls, Musk Ravageur. Mm. Have you smelled that one? I have, and I think my unpopular opinion is it's not for me. But okay. I know, I know it's like people love it. Oh yeah, it was. So one of my boys had it. We went down on a trip to Miami, and he pulled out this bottle of Musk of Frederick Mall, and I'm like, "What is that?" Because mm-hmm. I was never... he also a model. Yes. <laughs> well, we was like down in Miami chilling, and um, <clears throat> he pulled out this bottle. I'm like, "What the hell is this?" And because back at that point, the only thing I saw was the stuff that's like Calvin Klein and Jean-Paul Gaultier. But this was a brand I never heard before. Mm-hmm. So that was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like this kind of turned my world upside down. Mm-hmm. So I get it and I sprayed it. And he said, man, just keep it because my girl hates it on me. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like it on me. So just keep it. And oh, she and I have that in common. Yeah, she's like, you just, just keep it. I was like, well, how much is it? And she was like, 300 I was like, 300 yeah. I was like, what the? I'm like, at this point, remember, I'm like buying $85, $75, you know, fragrances because I didn't know niche even existed. Yeah. So the funny story is, fast forward, we all went out to lunch with our girlfriends and I wore the fragrance and this girl said, you smell so good. What is that? The same girl that didn't like it on her boyfriend? Yes. And I just said, oh, I'm going to walk away and go over here. And, you know, that's a testament to like, well, the body chemistry, like, you know, it's going to smell different on me than it smells on you. And it just didn't work with his chemistry. Mm -hmm. But that was my first introduction into um, niche. And then I started diving more. And that's when I you know, found Killian. And I guess at the time, Creed was very niche. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was that first experience, which was mind blowing because it was just different from anything I've ever smelled. Yeah. So. Wow. I also think, too, I mean, you were talking about you had fragrances that were 75, 80. I think there's just been, like, inflation has impacted fragrance, too. Like, mass market fragrance, I think, when used to be about $80, and that was a splurge. And I feel like now if you walk into Sephora and you see the average priced fragrance, mm-hmm. it's in the low hundreds. Like, fragrance has just become niche, luxury, mm-hmm. mass market, popular. It's all just become more expensive, I would say. Yeah, and I think there has been like a concentration of raw material mm-hmm. and ingredients, packaging. Mm-hmm. I think back then, like when I listed my whole list of like teenage fragrances, it was very simple. Mm-hmm. You know, not a whole lot of like, you know, very 
unique ingredients. Like no one was using rum or cognac or tequila or vodka and you know like mm -hmm. like really kind of crazy notes like kind of put them together and i think you know there's been like especially like some of the quote-unquote mass market brands or mastige brands even they are going and trying to kind of capture that niche uh customer because right. they know the niche customer wants something different they don't want right. to smell like everybody else they want to find that thing that kind of works with them and it's unique and you know, semi-hard to find. It's not everywhere. And that costs money to develop that mm -hmm. kind. And that has to go, you know, right now, you know, there's like um, supply chain issues. There's, you know, raw materials right. are, being, uh, are very hard to find at the moment. So, you know, and in order to kind of enter into that whole fraternity of uniqueness, you got to pay for it. So I don't apologize for my, my prices. You know, I think... You know, there aren't a whole lot of people of color in the fragrance world, like the high luxury fragrance world. Mm -hmm. So they assume because I was a person of color that I should give you a deal. There's no way in hell. Right. And people wouldn't question it on another brand. So if no. people are going to question it on yours, then maybe exactly. they need to reevaluate why, they, why they're questioning it. Exactly. So again, because, you know, I'm American, A, mm -hmm. Black, B, you know, um, and... No offense to any of my colleagues and shout out to them because they all have incredible um, products. Mm -hmm. But if I was white and French, you wouldn't question it. Exactly. You would say, oh, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, like for Chanel, Louis, mm -hmm. it's French. Mm -hmm. It's expensive. It should be expensive. Right. But if it's American uh, and made by me, you feel like it shouldn't be. And that's not the case because I make very high quality fragrances, even probably higher quality than the fragrances that you would assume are with these bigger brands. But, you know, again, that's the whole world of niche. And, um, you know, I want to make sure that I make great quality fragrances so they can never be questioned. Mm -hmm. The price point. It should never be. I mean, as right. someone who has smelled your fragrances briefly, which is why I'm very excited to do it very shortly. I have been so impressed, Thank and you. I think they are absolutely priced the way that they should be. Thank you. Thank so. you. Actually, you know, Bergdahl keeps pushing me to make it more expensive. Like, no, I got to, I got to, I still got a, a whole wide, you know, a, a net to kind of, I can't be super expensive for this customer, and then I will price out this customer. So it has right. to be good on average, and right. that's kind of a business decision that all brands need to make, but right. I think, and thank you, I appreciate that, but, you know, I feel like I made, like, some really high-quality stuff. To fit with the pricing in it. Two more questions before we get to our final segment of the show. Okay. The first is, and I know this is going to be hard, and I know that it, it's so subjective. If someone listening has never tried any of your fragrances, and um, they're like, well, where do I start? Mm. What is uh, the, the best entry into your fragrances? Um, I do sell a discovery set. It's about six fragrances. I have 12 at the moment, and I usually kind of, um, you know, change them per the season. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the fall they change, in the winter they change, and then you know some stay. Some are in every one of them because they can fit in any season, and then there's some that are more citrus and more fresh, and they probably go better in the summer. Although I love wearing uh, deeper, more sultry, sensual scents in the summer because I think when you sweat, you perspire, they come across. Mm -hmm. You know, and nowadays people are wearing more floral, fresh scents in the winter. So I think the whole idea is being like turned upside down. Wow. But, I think that discovery set is the best entry. 
this might be too much for the people. I mean, people just realize that fragrance is not gendered. And yeah. now we're and learning now, that summer fragrances are for winter. Yes. Winter fragrances are for summer. This is truly a, like a mind fuck right. of an episode. Your skin is drier. The citrus fragrance wow. stays longer on your skin. I mean, My I'm God. telling you, I think, I think we need to market it differently. <laughs> this is crazy. Okay. The last question before we get to the final segment. Oh, boy. What's next? What's on the docket? What's something you're working on you can share with us fragrance-wise? I mean, I, I just got more stories to tell. I got so many stories. Like, you know, every day is like, you know, a different idea pops into my head. And not all the stories will be told, but the ones that I get a chance to tell, I just can't wait for people to smell. Um, you know, who knows? Who knows where it ends up? There may be, you know, line extensions in the in the fragrance space, mm-hmm. like body Ooh, um, okay. which, you know, I've always wanted to do. Uh, but for now, I'm just going to concentrate on fragrance and because um, I'm still trying to master that space. Uh, but there will be more at some point. You know, I just think that, um, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it can go beyond just uh, perfume. And what what is a story that hasn't been bottled yet? Hustle. Hustle. Sweat. Hustle. Somebody can bottle that. They're going to be rich. Bottle with hustle. I think you can. Like, I mean, because I think it has a scent. Yeah. I smell it on people. Yeah. I can tell who's like doing this shit. I can tell. Who's hustling? Who's hustling? Do I smell like I'm hustling? You smell like you hustling. Thank you Everybody so Everybody in here smells like you're hustling. Wow. Okay. So- it's like a, it's like a, it doesn't stink, but it's like a good like funk. It's like, it's alluring. It's like, wow. Like I'm, a, I'm like, you know, I can't smell you, but something is drawing me to you. That's the Scorpio smell. <laughs> or maybe that's what I need to be concentrating on. Because either either you've been stung by one or you are one. Yep. <laughs> so either way, you got to experience with Scorpio. Amazing. Okay, Chris, we have a final segment of the show. Okay. It is rapid fire scent association. Mm, what's that smell? I'm gonna throw out people, places, emotions, whatever. It's very abstract. We okay. go there on this podcast. Okay. You just tell me the first smell that comes to mind. First, like fragrance or just Anything. like notes. It could be a okay. note. It could be a fragrance. It could be a feeling. Oh boy. What what we've learned through this podcast is no answer is wrong. No answer is wrong. Okay. okay. Are you ready to play? What's that smell? I'm nervous, but let's go. You got this, Chris. Okay. Chris, what is the smell of New Jersey? Grass. What is the smell of New York City? Cement. Cement. Okay. What is I almost heard something else there for a second. And I was like, okay. (laughs) You thought I was going there. It smells like like that, too. Okay. (laughs) What is the smell of Harlem? Mmm, rum. What is the smell of your home? Wood. Cedar wood. Cedar wood. What is the smell of love? Mm, skin. What is the smell of your first kiss? Gum. <laughs> what kind of gum? <laughs> Berry. <laughs> Bubblicious. <laughs> Bubblicious. <laughs> uh, okay, what is the smell of uh, summer? Air. Humidity. What is the smell of your childhood? Violet. Oh. Okay, the final question. You might want to think about this one. Okay. What is the smell of Chris Collins? Sex. Whoa, wow. He just took the headphones off. Wow. <laughs> I just dropped the mic. Okay, wow. Yeah. That's that's it. The that's smell it. of that's I was gonna say that too, but uh <laughs> Uh, Chris, thank you so much. This has been such a joy, so fun. Emma, thank you. For everybody who is listening, 
where can they follow you and where can they shop for your fragrances? All the social media handles are at World of Chris Collins. Okay. And you can find all my product on chriscollins.com or any of my retailers, which are on the website. And, you know, around the world, too, you can find all my stockist retailers there as well. Amazing. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Emma. It's been a joy. That was great. Perfumer is edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon. And illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez.